0: Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at PainesvilleAG.com. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Talking about letting go, in the first week we talked about letting go of stuff, And then the second week, we talked about letting go of distractions. And last week, we talked about letting go of bitterness. But today, I'm going to talk, we're going to talk today about something that I venture to say that every one of us in some form or fashion struggles with. There is a a part that we all struggle with, and I am preaching to myself today. Can I just be transparent with you today? I was convicted this week. I'm preaching to myself today. And uh, so today, what we're going to talk about is letting go of control. Letting go of control. Now, I know there are some of you that say, I don't have control issues, so we're going to, need to start out with a little test. All right, we've got a couple of little tests just to kind of help us. The first test is the remote control text, test. How many of you need to be in charge of the remote control? You've got to have the remote control. You've got to determine what is on, when it gets changed, if you don't want to mute a commercial, you want to watch a commercial, you want to change a commercial, what a you've got to have the remote control. If that's you... You've got some control issues. Why? Because I venture to say that at times every one of us would like to remotely control the situations and circumstances and people in our lives. We all wish we had a remote control, not just for the TV set, but for life, to control that person. If they are talking too much and they are getting on your nerves, you hit mute. You know what I'm talking about? If there's a painful drama that's coming and you say, I don't really like all the drama, you just want to just change the channel. I just like to change scenes. Thank you very much, shut you off, turn you off, move it to the side, right? There are, there are times where we wish we had a remote control where we could, just, we could just change the situation, circumstances that we're in. We could mute, we could turn down the volume, turn up the volume. We could do whatever we can because we'd like to have that kind of control. The other test, the second test is the steering wheel test. How many of you really struggle when somebody else has, is driving? And even though you're not driving, you feel the need to tell them how to drive. You, you, you let, let them know when they should be stopping and they're not braking enough and they're not braking too soon and they're going too fast or they're going too slow or they should have turned there. Or they, why are you going this direction? Why, what about this parking spot? Why did you park all the way back here when there was another parking spot that was just right there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have those kind of issues? And I venture to say that all of us wish we had a steering wheel for life where we could steer clear of those painful moments and painful situations, where we could steer clear of them, where we could control them, where we could say, I'm in the driver's seat. (laughs) You know, there's that song, that that country song, Jesus, take the wheel, (laughs) right? There are some times where we say, give it back. (laughs) Jesus, I don't like the direction you're taking my life, give it back. We struggle a little bit with some control issues, and I think there's a little bit of control freak in all of us. And so as I was just preparing for this message, I came across a list uh, of different types of control freaks that uh, a pastor by the name of Pastor Kerry Shook developed. And uh, as I was reading through this, I thought, oh, this will be really good. Uh, And so what I want you to do is I want you to identify one or two, or for some of you, three, four, five of some of these things that are you, that are the control issue, the control part of you. Now, what you're going to be tempted to do is you're, when I read these, you're going to be tempted to go, oh, that's my spouse, that's my mom, that's my dad, that's my kids, that's somebody, my sister, that my bro, that's somebody in my life. They're going to come to mind, and, and we can be tempted to do that. But I want you to, to just try to stay clear of that and, and say, what's it for me? So the first one is the intimidator. They control through intimidation. They use threats, constant demands, angry outbursts in order to control others. On the outside, the intimidator comes across as strong and confident and leader-like, but they they have to be large and in charge, but really what's deep down is a need to control, and they do that by intimidating and being angry all the time, or you walk on eggshells and, oh, you, you have to manipulate circumstances because you just don't know how they're going to react. That's a serious one. Nobody wants to laugh at that. The second is the perfectionist. They try to gain some form of control in their life by trying to get around uh, getting everything around them to be just perfect. It's got to be just right, making everyone else around them miserable and stressed out. And really the truth is they're stressed out as well. Any perfectionists in the house? No, they don't want to admit it. Nobody wants to raise their hand for that one. But some of you may identify with this one, the worry wart. The worry wart. Any worry warts, and worry is just a, is just something to try to control the uncontrollable. We feel like we feel like if we worry, then maybe there's some control that we can have through our worries. We can control the situation just a little bit. But how many of you know? Nothing can be farther from the truth, right? That's why the worry word always has something has to have something to worry about. Because if they don't have anything to worry about, then they're worried that there's nothing to worry about, right? Hey, some of you are like, that's me. I'm the worry warts, right? All right, here's this one. There's some of you this around Christmas. This will be you. You've, you'll identify with this, the uber planner, the uber planner. You try to control through planning, through social gatherings, because, you know, you get, you got you to plan it then they don't really want to participate. And if they don't want to participate because they didn't plan it, they want to plan it. If they didn't plan it, they don't want to participate. And then if they do participate, they criticize everybody who, who, who is running it, whoever has planned it, because it's not planned right. Right? You know, some of you are uber planners. Not only do you want to plan everything in your life, you want to plan everything in everybody else's life. Because that's your real joy. Then there's the anti-planner. They look at the Uber planner and they go, I don't have those kind of issues. I'm not a control freak like that person is because they don't like commitment. They don't like commitment, and they they avoid commitment and planning at all costs, and they like to have options. Why do they like to have options? Because that's a form of control, because I like to have my options, and I don't want to commit, because I may want to go over here, and I may want to go, because I don't want anybody to tell me what I ought to do, and so I don't want to commit, so I don't plan anything at all. And you're just as much of a control freak as the uber planner that you make fun of. The master manipulator. They're not in-your-face controllers. They do all their damage behind the scenes. Anybody know these people? They're always working their agenda behind the scenes, and they have their motives. They're all the same. They're trying to manipulate and control behind the scenes. Or the micromaniac. This is the person who has to have everything in their hand, every single detail. They've got to be the the one who does it all. This is the boss who stifles creativity and productivity in the workplace because they have to control every detail and finally with social media you'll really identify with this one the opinionator the opinionator this person has an opinion on everything every subject and they don't mind sharing it with you even if you didn't ask right some of you have these folks you're going to avoid this christmas when family gets together They are glad to tell you their opinion on your parenting and on your food and on the way you did this and how you ought to do it. And they have an opinion on this social issue and that social issue. And boy, let's not even get into politics this Christmas, right? They'll try to control you by judging and criticizing and tell you how to live your life. Did anybody recognize themselves in any of these? I know you recognized other people. I I know that. Did you recognize yourself in any of these? I know I did because we all struggle with control issues. In fact, control is really man's oldest problem. If you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, God created a perfect place for them to live. There was, there was everything they needed. And, and, and before that time, again, I've said it before, there was not ten commandments. There was just one. Don't eat from that tree. Just that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good. Don't, don't, don't eat of it. But where were they? They were by that tree. Why? Because when they went by that tree, they learned that that if you eat of it, you will be like God. Right? You'll be like God. Isn't Isn't that what control is really all about? Isn't it really about being like God? Isn't it really wanting to be God? Wanting to be in control? Wanting to be able to have the power to do whatever we want, whenever we want it, however we want it. Control and manipulate every circumstance to be for our benefit. That is what happened. That is what Adam and Eve really started with, and that has been the problem. And no wonder we are stressed out so much, because we are not God. We can't control everything. Control is really trying to play God. And I know a lot of times in my own life, and I start to believe if I'm not the person that's running the program, if I'm not the person that's making sure that everybody is safe, if I'm not the person that's that making sure everything is running smoothly, then I feel like it's going to fall apart. Is there anybody else that will just admit that you're like me? That if you don't like, you don't like oh, I got I to gotta make sure and I, oh, I got to step, oh, I got to make sure this is okay and that's okay. And then I find myself all stressed out and burned out and I go, oh my goodness, what did I do? I did it again. Anybody like that? Yeah. Why? Because sometimes we get burned, don't we? I know that's part of it. Sometimes we, we offer a little bit of control to somebody else. We give a little bit of responsibility. We, we hand something over, and then the ball gets dropped, and we get burned, and it doesn't happen, and we go, well, I'm never going to do that again. Right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Boy, it's awfully quiet in here. Either you're all asleep, or you feel like I do sometimes. The, 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 the really funny part is, is the first part of our life, we, we are told, we are told that we need to take responsibility and be in control. As we're growing up, the first thing we're taught how to, you need to learn how to be independent. You've got to learn how to dress yourself. You've got to learn how to brush your own teeth. You, you, you've got to learn how to feed yourself. Why? Because we live in a dog-eat-dog world, right? And you've got to learn how to manage their responsibilities. You've got to learn how to become independent independent but the problem is is that I think that after we get where we graduated school we've kind of finished school we learn that life is really not about uh, taking control but it's a series of lessons on letting go of control it might be letting go of somebody that you love letting go of a relationship or a situation Uh, I mean really to truly love someone you've got to let go of your notions and insecurities and all of those things don't you life is a part of a, a lessons in letting go And so as we look at the Bible today, as we get into God's Word today, here's what I want you to understand. Here's our our big thought for the day that I want you to hang on to. You don't always have the power to control, but you do have the power to surrender. You don't always have the power to control, but you always have the power to surrender. We don't like that word. That word surrender is a dirty word, but we're going to look at the Christmas story today in the first part of our message, and I think we're going to see a bit of letting go of control. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, we see a young girl, she's engaged to be married, and is visited by the angel Gabriel with a message that is going to change her life, change her plans, and change her future. Let's look at it together. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And look what it says. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now look at Mary's question. Mary has questions. Wouldn't you have questions (laughs) if this was you? Yeah. Mary has questions. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, uh, it's difficult for us to comprehend. I mean, every year, we read this story. If you come to church in any form or fashion, every year, you read the story. And so we can get caught up, and sometimes we just kind of glamorize it. We kind of hallmark it a little bit. We kind of look at it, and we go, well, that's the ha- we, there's the happily ever after. We we understand all of these things, but but we've got to take a step back, because we have to look. And this was a young teenage girl, life in front of her, Plans in front of her, everything in front of her. She didn't come from a wealthy family. She didn't live in a prominent city. She was in a little town in a region called Galilee, in a little town called Nazareth. And we know that later on, Nazareth was not a town that anybody thought anything could happen from. One of the of the, the disciples that would come later, Nathaniel, he goes... Nazareth what does anything good come from Nazareth what is Nazareth so she doesn't come from any of that and yet she's just kind of content you know hey I'm a young girl there's a I, I've been betrothed to be married to this man I, I have these plans we're gonna have a family I'm thinking about what it, life is gonna be life is gonna be good and then all of a sudden an angel steps in and God interrupts her plans he interrupts her plans she's making the preparations for the wedding Joseph's a good man, comes from a good family, he's got a good business, he's a carpenter, and all of this. And then this visitation comes in this news, and I don't know about you, but it would be a lot to handle. In fact, Mary is troubled. She's troubled by his words. That's what, that's what it, this initially says, is that Mary was troubled by the words that were just spoken in the greeting. And Gabriel's response is, don't be afraid. Now, how many of you know that sometimes when God comes and he begins to interrupt your plans, fear is something that steps in. Well, what is this going to mean? Why has this come about? I don't understand. What is this all about? And Gabriel comes in, and he's the messenger, and he says, don't be afraid. So what we can conclude is that Mary is afraid, she's confused, she's a bit overwhelmed by what is happening. And later we see that she has chosen to be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah, the, the Christ child. And she's equally overwhelmed and confused. And you're going to be with child. And she says, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to comprehend this. How, how is this going to be? And in a moment she kind of wants to, to she's kind of leaning us, le- leading us along in understanding where her mind starts to go in all of this because she announces her own integrity. And she says, listen, I I'm a virgin, all right? I know how this works, all right? I, I've been around. My parents do the little birds and the bees talk. I understand how this works. I don't understand how this is, how what you're saying is going to work. How is this going to be? I am not that kind of a woman, okay? I'm, I, I, that hasn't happened. We, I don't understand this. And what this means is that in one way, she, she wants to believe, but in another way, she's defending her integrity, and she just doesn't understand. People are going to question my integrity. If this happens, how is this going to happen? Because if this happens, people are going to question my integrity. We, we haven't consummated any marriage yet. We haven't completed the marriage yet, Joseph and I. And if I'm, I'm found with a baby bump, I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. People are going to wonder and what kind of story they're going to believe. They're going to believe that an angel came and an angel said to me, you're going to be with child. You're going to have the Christ child. Oh, sure, Mary, yeah. That's quite a tall tale. Who's going to, who's going to believe you? Have you ever had a, a circumstance or a situation that changed your life? Perhaps a decision that was put before you that you looked at and you thought, this is impossible. How is this going to be? Has the Lord ever caused you to question, particularly as you began to look at what he was asking you to do, and you could already see this was going to have an impact on your life and an impact on your relationships? That's what's happening here. That's the case here with Mary, and Gabriel responds by telling her in verse 35 how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Talk about overwhelming! Whenever you have your first child, it's overwhelming enough, and then you find that your first child is going to be the Messiah, the Son of God. Whoa, man, I'm already nervous. I remember being a first-time dad. I was afraid I was going to break Caleb. (laughs) He was so tiny. I thought, oh boy, if I just hold him the wrong way, he might break. And and what does this mean? And how am I going to raise him? And can I really be that kind of dad? And can I can I really do that? I can't imagine. I can't imagine the Son of God and what that would mean. Mary was asked, How can this be? She's not given the timing. She doesn't know when. She doesn't know if, you know, was the timing going to wait till after she and Joseph were married? No, that would be natural. This is supernatural. And because of this, she was going to have to trust the Lord. Joseph was going to have to trust the Lord. Pastor Kevin gave a great message on Wednesday night about this, just highlighting as well the difficulty of Joseph in these situations and circumstances as he too, uh, in accepting Mary and accepting this and bringing her in and marrying her, what people would say about him and his reputation, what kind of an impact that would have on him as a carpenter, what that would do for them, it was overwhelming, Mary didn't know the end of the story like we do. She didn't know if Joseph would believe her. She didn't know if he would end their engagement. She didn't know how her parents would react, how her community would react. She didn't know what the future would hold. She certainly couldn't comprehend fully everything that this would change or the pain that later on she would go through as she watched that son that she raised be put on trial and be taken to a cross. She didn't know. But yet at this point, she has a choice to make. She can choose to control or she can choose to surrender. In Luke one thirty eight, one of the most powerful responses of faith, it says this. Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then it says the angel left her. Nothing else. No more instructions. Nothing else to do. But yet she chose surrender. May it be to me as you have said. Mary chose surrender rather than control. Mary chose to trust God rather than for her to control her circumstances or her future. And friends, I think that's a powerful lesson for us this Christmas, a powerful reminder for us this Christmas. For we can't control all of our circumstances. We can't control all of the people that are in our lives and everything that goes on, but we can choose to surrender to Jesus Christ. We can choose to surrender our trust and control of our future to the Lord. So, how do we get to that place? Because I don't know about you, but I struggle sometimes with control. How do we get to that place? What are some things that we can do? Is there a process? And I think that later on, if we take a, a little bit of a leap forward in Jesus' life and ministry, we find that when He's beginning His ministry and He's beginning to call those who would be His followers, His disciples to come, we find a situation and a story where we can see a process that comes about control. And and, and in fact, it's found in Luke chapter 5. And again, there are some guys who are fishermen. We know later on they would be his disciples. But at this point, they're still fishermen. They've got their business. One of them, uh, two of them are are part of their father's business. And we think that they're kind of linked up a little bit. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Andrew and Peter and James and John. And there they are. They're out on their boats one day and they're fishing. And again, early in their ministry, they were fishing. And they had just finished the night. They had just been fishing all night, and and they were out washing their nets. And Jesus comes on the scene, and what he does is he steps in one of their boats. Crowds have been following him. He's wanting to teach them, but they're kind of pushing against him. He's coming against the shore, and he realizes, boy, this is getting kind of tight. And so what he does is he just takes one of their boats. He gets in one of their boats. He pushes out a little bit from shore, and he begins to teach and it starts in this. In verse 4, we pick up the story. And it said, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught so, such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats to the full, and they be, that they, so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Now, in this story, what we see in the beginning is some guys that are out fishing. They've got a business. And, uh, and so they're out fishing one day, one night, I should say, one night. And, uh, and what we see is they, they're working on their business. They're fishermen. They know how to control their businesses. They know how to, how to handle that. But they ran into some circumstances they couldn't control. And, and through this, Jesus was about to teach them who was really in control. Again, they tried to control, and they face consequences of control. What are the consequences of control? Well, first is frustration. If you've ever tried to be in control, you will experience a lot of frustration. Those who, who, who have this control tendency have a lot of frustration. And what we see here is that verse 5 says they've been fishing all night, and Peter said to the Master, we have worked hard all night and haven't caught anything can you hear the frustration in the sentence we've worked hard all night how many have worked at your business you've worked at your business hard all week all all, all, all week and maybe very little fruitfulness has come you worked all year and it just seems like you're just you're not even ahead in fact you might even be behind and you put so much effort and you put so much work and you're like oh my goodness I'm so frustrated they were frustrated. It was frustrating trying to control their problems that didn't cooperate. It's frustrating when we try to control other people and they don't cooperate. It's frustrating when we're trying to control too much. Not only is it frustrating, but secondly, it wears you out. The second consequence is not only frustration, but you experience fatigue. Some of you are there right now. You're exhausted. It says they worked hard all night. Worked hard. There's, uh, there's a Greek word in this passage. It's called kopeio. And it literally means to be wearied and fatigue, fatigued. And so what Peter is saying is, Master, we are exhausted. Stick a fork in us, we're done. We have worked hard all night. We are done. We're done. Isn't trying to control frustrating and fatiguing? You ever get tired? You ever get burned out? I don't know. I think it's, it, it's really tiring to try to be the general manager of the universe, isn't it? Right? Right? Trying to keep everything going, trying to be the glue that keeps everything together, if it isn't. If it isn't you, it depends on you, then it doesn't happen. Uh, trying to control the uncontrollable, it's tiring. It's frustrating. But not only that, but we never get it right. We fail, don't we? The third consequence of control is failure. Failure. He said, we haven't caught anything, zero, zip, no fish. This is our business. We have put all the effort in. We have put everything, we've done everything we know how to do, and we've come up empty. We have failed. We failed. Let me tell you something. When you're trying to control and play God, failure is something that comes around. I want to move to the positive now. What's the process? Because Jesus is going to take them through a process of learning how to let go. The process of letting go, the process of letting go of control. And in this passage, we see that letting go is a process to experience life, the freedom and the peace and the blessing that God promises us. So what's the process? The process begins, number one, with this, give up control. Give up control. Like we said, you can't always control. You can't always choose to control, but you can't always choose to surrender. And the first part of this is to give up control. Give up. Uh, we come to the place where we say, I can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I am exhausted. I am frustrated. I am tired. I just can't do this anymore. It's just not working. I give up. I give up. Again, earlier in this passage in verse 2, we see that Jesus enters the picture. It says that he was there at the water's edge. There were two boats that were left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets and what i want you to understand is the phrase washing their nets means that they were done fishing that night they had done everything they could and that's what you did at the end of the day they had caught nothing it was clean-up time they were mending their nets they were cleaning their nets they were getting everything ready they were done they had given up they had given up even though that their whole livelihood depended on this catch and and, and what depended on in order for them to feed their family they said well We didn't catch anything, we're done, we're tired, we're exhausted, we failed, we give up. We're done. They gave up. They had tried and tried and tried and realized that there were circumstances that were simply beyond their control, and when they finally gave up and they realized the circumstances were beyond their control, that's when Jesus stepped in. You see, Jesus entered the story right at the point when they had given up, because friends, it's not until we give up sometimes that Christ gets involved. It's not until we give up that Christ gets involved. It's not until I come to the place where I say I can't control where Jesus, where God enters the story of my life. I've got to stop trying to fix the problem. Some of you, that's been you. Your part of control is you continue to try to fix the problem. You try to fix it on your own. You you try to think of a creative solution. You work really hard like Peter, and then you come to the place where it's just not working and you give up. Well, I want you to understand something. That's a good place to be. When you're in the place where you've given up, where you say, I can't solve it. I can't do it. I can't can't make it happen. No matter what I do, it just doesn't seem to work. I give up. I'm going to tell you something. That's a great place to be because that's when Jesus enters the story of your life. That's when Jesus gets involved. Some of you have been trying to change a person in your life, in your family. You've been working really hard to try to change them. You, you try all kinds of ways to manipulate them. You try all kinds of things to try to get their attention. You, you know, you, you want them to know. You send them little devotionals and you send them little this and you invite them to this and you're, they're making this decision and you're telling them that's a bad decision. know, And no matter what you try to do and how you try to control, they don't change. And you say, I, I give up. I give up. Well, that's a good place to be because then you let Jesus step in. That's right where God wants us. Once I stop trying to fix the problem, once I stop trying to change the person, once I stop trying to control the situation, then God gets involved. That's when I say, God, I give up. I need you. I invite you into this story. I invite you into this circumstance. I invite you to get involved. But not only do we need to give up, but second, we need to give over control. It's one thing to say, "Oh, I give up." And then Jesus steps in and then we take control back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got to give over control. When Jesus steps in your boat, when Jesus steps in your situation, you've got to give over control. You've got to give over control. So once I've given up, I've got to give over control. You know, it's like I quit, I throw in the towel, I'm done, I give up control. But then, in order to experience peace and blessing, I've got to give control over to God. Now, Peter was, Jesus was using one of Peter's boats as a stage. He was preaching to maybe thousands on the shore. We don't know how many people had gathered around. We knew it was a large crowd. And so he, he, had, he had got in the boat, and he thought, hey, this is a good idea. I'm going to get in the boat, and uh, we're going to push out a little bit, and, and maybe Jesus' voice can carry over. And so he is, he is teaching so people can see. And Jesus then in his, he, he begins to use the stage as a platform. In fact, Peter was probably proud of that at that point. Hey, look at that, the teacher. The teacher is using my boat. All right, I didn't catch anything all night, but the teacher's using my boat. Look at that. He's teaching from my boat. Look at that. I'm sure people were probably going, Oh wow, hey, look at you, Peter. He's using your boat. Man, that's pretty good. And then as Jesus began to finish up teaching, he does something that shocks Peter. In fact, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now listen, Peter was the fisherman, wasn't he? Jesus was the teacher. Peter knows the fishing business. Peter knows that the time that you fish is not during the day, not during the heat of the day, but it's at night in the cool. It's also not out in the deep water. It's found in the shallow water. Jesus, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Listen, listen, you take care of the spiritual stuff, and I'll take care of the fishing. How about that? You take care of what you take care of, I'll take care of what I know, all right? You know the spiritual stuff, I know this fishing business stuff, all right? You take care of your thing, I'll take care of my thing. Anybody like that in life? Right. it's okay for Jesus to take care of the spiritual stuff in your life, but when it comes to the other stuff in your life, you're like, I got this, Jesus. All right, that's good. We like to separate. We like to separate the spiritual. We like to separate the spiritual from the, from, from the other sides of life. But here they are, Peter's the expert fisherman, he's the one that makes his livelihood, and yet in verse 5, this is what Peter says, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so. Now what's interesting to me is, is that earlier he says to him, master, master, so he's using the word master, I've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything. What's he doing here? He, 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 is, he is doing that. He's saying, listen, it's the heat of the day. I've already washed the nets. I really don't want to do it all over again. But master, master, because you say so, we'll do it. And inside, he might have been thinking, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and why do I say that? Because the Greek word master here is a term that literally means respect for an expert teacher. So Peter is kind of, there's a whole crowd of people. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. Jesus is asking him to do something. He's not going to put up much of a fight. Fine, okay, I give up control. Master, because you say so, I don't think this is going to work. But because you say so, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give over control. I'm going to do it. And, and he says, you know, listen, master, <laughs> you, got the, you got the teaching ability, but uh, I, I, I just don't know. And what happened? As he pushes out Peter's boat, they threw the nets. His boat was so filled with fish, they had to call their, their, their companions over. And their boat was so filled that the boats began to sink. And why? Why do you think Jesus performed a miracle like this? I mean, this wasn't a healing miracle. He didn't raise somebody from the dead. He didn't open somebody's blind eyes. He he didn't, he didn't make a lame person walk. Why would he do a miracle like this? What is so important about this? Because Jesus wanted Simon Peter and the others to see that they could give up every area of control over to Christ. That that, that he wants to see a miracle in their life, and they can give up control in every area of their life, not just the spiritual, but over every part of their life, even their business. And it's important because we understand that that we've got a, a giant master steering wheel of control in our life. We also have a little steering wheel of controls. We have a steering wheel for our relationships. We have a steering wheel for our work. We have a steering wheel for our marriage. We have, and, and, and those of us that are married, you got a little steering wheel there. A steering wheel for our spiritual life. We have a steering wheel for our finances, a steering wheel for our hobbies and everything else in life. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, here's the spiritual wheel. You take care of this one. And he says, I, I don't want this, the little wheel. I want the big wheel. I wanna have control over every wheel in your life. I I want you to turn over control of every wheel, not just the ones that are about growing spiritually, but I I want the business wheel. I want the employer, the the employment wheel. I want the financial wheel of your life. I want the family wheel of your life. I want the marriage wheel of your life. I, I want to take control of every part of your life, not just the spiritual stuff, but sometimes that's what we do. Jesus, you take the spiritual stuff, I'll handle my own business, but Jesus never stays in his own lane. Can I just be honest with you? All right, Jesus doesn't just stay on his own wheel. Jesus likes it. He, he, he likes to, the wheel you're holding onto so tightly, that's the wheel Jesus wants. That's the wheel he wants. The wheel that you're hanging onto, that's the wheel that he wants. That's what he did for Peter. He went right to the area of Simon Peter that was keeping him from him. The one area that Peter was trying to control his business, Jesus went right to that one. Why? The same reason that he looks at your heart right now and he sees the area that you're trying to control. Jesus knows that whatever I control ends up controlling me. He doesn't want me to be controlled. He wants me to be free in him. Jesus doesn't want you to be controlled. He wants you to be free and see what he will go to that area where you are hanging on to control the most. Because he wants you to find freedom and fulfillment and peace. And we have to give it to Simon Peter credit, because at least he obeyed, right? He didn't understand it. He certainly didn't feel like it. He was tired. He was frustrated. He was, he was like, oh, but okay, master, because you say so, I will do it. Why? Because what he found out is that obedience to God brings blessing. Obedience to God in your life brings blessing. Oftentimes, we want blessing without obedience, We want God to bless us without us obeying God. We don't obey what the Lord says, but we want his blessing. And we just wonder and get frustrated why we're not getting the blessing when we haven't surrendered over to him, when we haven't obeyed him, when we haven't done what he has wanted us to do. Sometimes we come to the end of our rope and we give up because everything we're trying to control doesn't work. And we go, well, I'll give Jesus a shot. Well, I've tried everything else. I might as well pray about it now. Why is that at the end? Shouldn't that be the first thing we do? Yeah. Well, he gave up. And when he gave up, Jesus worked a miracle. And I love it because he filled his net so much that they started to tear. And then two boats, another boat came in, and they started to sink because they were so heavy. It was an amazing miracle. I love verse 9. It says this, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. They were astonished. Do you know that Jesus really does want to astonish you? He, he really does. He, he, he loves to surprise. Just like on Christmas, you love to surprise your kids. You, you like to, to find that one surprise or that one thing, and you just, you know, you wrap it up. And then, then you make sure you know which one it is. I mean, maybe if you're control freak like we are, you make sure that it's the one that's set aside. Like, they can't just go up and grab that one first. You know what I'm talking about? You want to save it for last because it's like the gift. So they open up the socks and the underwear, and they're like, oh, I didn't ask for these. I didn't want these. And you're like, oh. Hey, you know, they get the clothes. Who wants clothes? right I they pull them out oh clothes I don't want that what's the next gift come on you know your kids did that too right but you save that one special gift why because you oh. you know I remember one year as a, a teenager I wanted a drum set for Christmas and and uh, and and you know we got through all the things and then I opened up one thing and it was a symbol and I was like well I got one piece <laughs> only to find out that it was all set up except for that one symbol in the other room. You know, and you just kind of walk in and you go, wow, man. God loves to surprise you. God loves to astonish you. God. And that, that's what happened here because they were willing to give up control and give over control, what they found is they were astonished. They were amazed. And and the same thing happened with Mary in the story. She said, may it be to me as you have said. And then she went on a a visit and she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And when she got there, the baby inside of Elizabeth leaped in her womb and Elizabeth began to share over the same prophecy and the same thing over Mary. And Mary responded in worship and we have Mary's song in magnifying the Lord. Why? Because she was astonished because when we give up control and we begin to give over control to the Lord, we find ourselves astonished by the Lord. Some of us haven't been astonished by the Lord because we're still hanging on too tightly. The third in the process of letting go is to get under control. Get under control. So I give up, I give over, but then I gotta get under. I gotta get under. I can't get control of my life how do I know that? Because every day I try to get control of my life. I'm worrying, I'm worrying, and it's a warning sign. Aaron, you're trying to control something. Why are you worrying about that? Try to control something you shouldn't. You said, but I'm giving it over. You give it over and then take it back. Give it over and then take it back. Anybody ever been in that tug of war before? That's because we don't get to the third step, and that's to get under control, to get under control. In order to get control of my life, I've got to get my life under control, and that means I've got to place it under Christ's control and care. I've got to put it under His control and care. Why? Because my willpower just isn't good enough. It's His real power that is the secret to life. It's His real power that's the secret to life. And it's interesting, before this miracle, like I said, Peter called Jesus Master, a respectful name for teacher. He he respected Him as a teacher. Master, teacher, we, we, we look master and we think something else, but for here it was teacher. It was, it was respect for a teacher. But in verse 8 we see something else after the miracle took place. Verse 13, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Now the word that he calls him here is Lord. And in the Greek it's kurios, which literally means owner or controller. So in the beginning he was saying you're the master teacher, but when he said, May it be to me as you go ahead, go Lord, get it. That was Mary said that. When when Peter said, Go ahead, all right, because you say so, we're gonna do it. When they came back and they saw the amazing thing, he said, Lord. He called him Lord. He said, You're the owner and you're the controller. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I am sorry for trying to control my life and my business and saying I'm just going to isolate you to the spiritual things and forget about everything else. No, 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 no. I realize I've got to get under your control. You are Lord. You're Lord. You're Lord. You get control of my life. Because you can't get control of your life until you get under Jesus' control. In Luke 15, or Luke 5 10 and 11, We see the final results. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, and they left everything and followed him. They were finally able to leave everything, let control go of everything. In fact, their companions, uh, James and John, left the family business to follow Jesus. Why? Because they recognized that they had to be under control, under Jesus' control. They, had to, they gave up, they gave over, and then they got under the control of Jesus Christ. They got under control. You say, that might be hard to do. How can I get under the control of Jesus? How can I do that? There are two reasons. The first is this. They realize God is in control. If you want to get under the control of Jesus, you've got to recognize who's really in control. There's a lot of circumstances, there's a lot of situations, there's a lot of things that happen. And guess what? We are not in control. You are not in control. You may think you're in control, but you're not in control. There are decisions that you make, but ultimately there are things that happen in our lives, circumstances that happen that are beyond our control, things that we can't handle, storms that are swirling about, and life feels like it's out of control. And I want you to know this, even though life might feel like it's out of control, God is still in control. Even though it may seem like everything is out of control, God is still in control. He has a plan, He has a purpose for your life, and God is in control. He's in control. And that's what we have to recognize is who is really in control. When we keep thinking that we're in control, then we're not under His control. We need to recognize that God is the one who is sovereign. God is the one who is on the throne. God is the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But secondly, to get under control, it's not just knowing that he has the power and that everything is in his hands. I saw him when saying, he's got the whole world in his hands. Not only recognizing that, but you've got to also recognize, secondly, that he cares for you. That he cares for you. He cares about every detail of your life. Peter, Andrew, James, and John realized that God was the controller, but it went to a whole new level when they realized that he cared about their catch that day. That they had fished all night and caught nothing, and that was their business, and that was their finances, and that's what they needed. And it didn't really come down to it until they recognized that when they were frustrated, when they were fatigued, and when they had failed, that God cared enough to get involved in their catch of the day and to bless them. That God cared enough to get involved in the details of their life. This wasn't the kind of miracle that you know, he raised somebody from the dead. No, it was just a miracle about filling a bowl with fish. Why is that so important? Well, it was important to Peter. It was important to Andrew. It was important to James. It was important to John. Why? Because it's what they cared about. And Jesus cares about the things that you care about. The things that you worry about, the things that you try to hold on and control, the situations in your life where you're just like, Lord, I don't understand. Listen, he cares about the details of your life. If you haven't realized it yet, God is in control, and he cares, and he knows what you're going through. He cares about every detail of our lives. Peter learned this lesson because later on when he wrote a, a, a little letter that he wrote by his name, 1 Peter, chapter 5 and verse 7. Listen to the language of this. Cast, isn't that fishing language? Cast all your cares, that's all your worries, all your concerns on him. Why? For he cares for you. Peter learned that lesson that day in the fishing, that day in the boat, that day when he was invited to follow Jesus that day when he said he learned that I can't always control, but I can choose to surrender. I can't always choose what's in my life. I can't always choose to control the circumstances, but I can choose to surrender. And I know that that day I did because I recognized when I was not in control, when I couldn't even get one fish in my net, Jesus Christ said, go ahead and push out And a time when it didn't make sense, in an area it didn't make sense. And instead, I found that when I obeyed, there was an abundance of blessing because God cares for me. So I can cast all of my worries and all of my cares and all of my anxieties on Him because He cares for me. And there are some of you right now this Christmas, you are stressed, you are worried, you don't know what 2020 is going to hold, you don't know what it's going to hold in your family, you don't know what it's going to hold in your health, you've been faced with some circumstances and the Lord says today, I care for you Surrender to me. I care for you. Trust me. Give up control and trust me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come. I just want to bow in prayer as we begin to close today. And I want to ask you, do you struggle to control certain areas of your life? Do you worry and do you fret and do you run all about? Are you you fatigued? Are you frustrated? Have you found yourself failing and you're saying, I give up? Well, that's a good place to be today. I give up because that means Jesus enters your story. I give up, Jesus, enter my story. I give up. I'm tired of the stress. I'm tired of the frustration. I'm tired of being weary and fatigued. I'm tired of the failing over and over. I give up. That's the first place to start, to choose today to give up and to surrender. For some of you, it's giving your life to Christ for the first time. You've been in control, and you've said, I, I'm in control. But today, like Peter, when he was astonished, he said, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, I give up, Lord. I give up, and I get under your control. And there are some of you today that you need to say today, before you leave this place, Jesus, I give up. I'm giving control of my life over to you, and I'm getting under your control. I'm getting under your control because you are my Savior. There are some of you that God wants to take the direction of your life in a different direction than you want to go. And like Mary, you need to say, Lord, may it be to me as you have said. Some of you, you need to give it up to the Lord. Whatever that is, there's a steering wheel in your life you're still hanging on to. And you need to give that steering wheel over to Jesus today. I'm going to pray. And in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to respond today. And I just want you to begin to let the Holy Spirit, what is the area in your life, the steering wheel in your life that you need to give control over to the Lord? And again, it might be that you need salvation today and you need to give up control. You need to give over your sin. You need to give over your life and you need to say, Jesus, I need a savior today. I need a rescuer today. I need you. Let's bow our heads today. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ or maybe you did but you, you know that you have not been living the way you're supposed to. And so today you want to surrender control of your life over to Jesus or back over to the Lord. You want to say, Lord, I, I give you my life today or I recommit my life to you today. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else today? Anybody else? I want to give my life or recommit my life to Christ today. I need to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Secondly, today you're here and there's a steering wheel in your life that you've been hanging on to and you haven't given it over to Jesus. You find yourself frustrated. You find yourself tired. And you say, you know what? I give up. I give up. And you say, I've got to give this area of my life, this area I've been hanging on to over to the Lord. I want to pray for you. Will you slip up your hand today? I've got to give it up. Yeah, all over this place. Yeah. Come on, can we just pray a prayer of surrender today before we we close out with one last song today? Can we just pray a prayer of surrender today? If that's you, will you just pray with me? I'm going to lead us today. Dear Jesus, I thank you today that you care about every detail of my life. I ask you today to come into my life. I give up control. Whatever that specific area is, name it. I give this to you. I've been trying to control this. I give it to you. I surrender it to you. Jesus, I want to get under your control. Forgive me for taking control and not surrendering to you. Come into my life and set me free. I trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we stand today? And and again, we're going to sing. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.